I see a lot of people are on the road this morning, um, not only to PE, but also to various places around the country. Well, today I wanted to share a short devotion with you on a passage of scripture we find in First Chronicles chapter 16, which is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it's a very worshipy passage, um, but in particular verse 29. So First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 29 says the following. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. This word today I wanted to focus on is called ascribing. And um, how do we ascribe to the Lord glory? How do we ascribe to the Lord glory due his name? And lastly, why? Why ascribe to the Lord glory? Maybe we should look at the, a slight um, definition or example of what it means to ascribe something. All right, now I am ascribing trust in this chair and I'm ascribing trust to the live stream uh, internet capability. We also ascribe love or value to certain things in our lives. Um, so there is a lot of ascribing going on. We, it's something that we give to something. So why ascribe glory to God's name. Well, I'm going to start um, by using a passage in Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, saying that um, Jesus says that we must be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect. And in this verse, we learn that God demands perfect righteousness from us, which seems quite a daunting task. And since we cannot actually um, render or give God this righteousness or this perfection praise God because Romans tells us um, that Jesus own words ultimately um, drove him to become the justification for our for our righteousness and he gave us or the word is imputing if you want to use biblical words today ascribing and imputing he gave us or imputed his perfect righteousness to us it's not even on loan. He gave it to us permanently. So we would miss something, however, if we think that this passage in Matthew is only about us being perfect. It's mainly about the fact that God is perfect. It's mainly about God. For we are told that our heavenly Father is perfect. And in the context of this Matthew uh, scripture, the text is primarily about divine righteousness, and love. Demonstrating that nothing can make God more righteous or loving. Um, see, nothing can improve on perfection. It says, if the Father is perfect, how can he be more perfect? Um, so it's actually saying that God is perfect as he is, and no one can improve on perfection. But we may extend um, this to all of the divine attributes. Maybe even Job says, for example, it tells us that God is perfect even in knowledge. He cannot learn anything, um, for he already knows everything. God cannot grow in any of his attributes, including his glory. So God's already perfect. God is already perfect in knowledge. And James says that he is um, perfect in every single way. Um, so it's so why still ascribe to him glory? 
So we've seen that we cannot add to God's divine glory. We cannot increase his knowledge or his glory. God cannot learn anything. Um, and as today's passage states, however, we can ascribe glory. So we cannot add glory, but we can ascribe glory. This involves honoring the name of the Lord and treating him with the reverence that he is owed. And in doing this, we also make his glory known to the world. So there are three ways in which we ascribe um, glory to the Lord. Firstly, by offerings. Verse 29 actually um, says that we bring an offering and we come before him. But this is not an offering of animals um, under the old covenant as it was, but actually bringing an offering of ourselves as a living sacrifice, as Romans 12 says. And that testifies that he has made um, uh, that he has made us and has lordship over us. So we ascribe glory to his name by bringing our lives as an offering and, and acknowledging that we are his and that he is our Lord. That's the first way. We ascribe glory to God or to his name by bringing an offering. Secondly, we also ascribe glory to the Lord in our worship and in our reverence for him, in singing and in our contribution and in our gifts. So we can call that all worship in how much worth we give him in what we do, in sort of the costliness, I could say, um, in being a follower of Jesus. Worship is rendered to that which we believe is greater than ourselves. And by worshiping the one true God, we acknowledge his unsurpassing greatness. And the nations are thereby, when we worship, they are directed to the great glory of God. We ascribe glory to God by thanking him for his goodness and and um, the people are thereby reminded that he is good and that he is the source of all things good. So can you see that worship and corporate testimony even um, might not sometimes be for people who don't believe in Jesus, but they're a sign and a testimony to people who don't believe in Jesus. So we ascribe glory to his name through worship, through songs of praise and thanksgiving, through thanksgiving in our lives, through prayer, and through the way we conduct ourselves. Thirdly and finally, we ascribe glory to the Lord by proclaiming his sovereignty and living like we mean it. And that is by following his royal decrees or his royal law. Well, in First Chronicles 16 verse 31, it says, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The Lord shows his glory in people who are committed to his rule and reign. It doesn't mean we have to submit ourselves to the Old Testament law, but we have to su submit ourselves to the lordship and sovereignty of Jesus. And in that way, um, the Lord shows his glory in us, us who are committed to his rule and reign. So to answer the question, why ascribe glory? Because reverent worship in which we ascribe glory to God will be a testimony to all of the earth, to the whole world, to all unbelievers, even to people who are skeptical. It'll even be a sign um, or a testimony to people who are struggling to believe or even to believers. By seeking to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, according to his word, we are proclaiming him to the nations. So by ascribing glory to his name, we are proclaiming him 
to the nations. Our acceptance and participation only in worship <clears throat> that is holy and reverent <clears throat> is a powerful testimony to our neighbours. <clears throat> so when we worship together on Sundays and when we worship or sing together or when you think about ascribing glory to his name or come across this passage, realise that it is for our benefits and also for the benefits of the world and for the sake of the world. So we ascribe glory to his name, not because he needs more glory. He's already perfect, but it is good for us and it is a testimony to the world. So would you ascribe glory to his name by being a living sacrifice, by singing songs of thanksgiving and um, by letting him be the Lord of your life? Can we pray together? Father, we are so grateful that you are glorious. We are so grateful that you are majestic and that you reign over us. We are so grateful that you are strong and great in power and that you are not a weak God. We are so thankful, Lord, that you are perfect in all of your ways, as James says. We are so grateful that we cannot add to your glory. You are already perfect in knowledge, perfect in strength. And maybe today, Lord, I know somebody who's watching or listening might need to know that, that you are perfect in your strength, that you are perfect in your faithfulness, that you lack nothing in how you are faithful, that you lack nothing in your timing, you lack nothing in your knowledge or wisdom that you give to us. Thank you, Lord, that you give us your spirit without measure and that we have you in the fullness of your glory. And Lord, because of the price that you paid for us, we are grateful and glad and come before your throne of grace with confidence, saying that we surrender our lives before you. We offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice and we ascribe glory to your name so that your name might be known to the nations. In Jesus' perfect name we pray. Amen. Amen.